What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. By many folks' standards, Kate Scalisi is an anomaly as far as what she learned about sex growing up. Throughout her youth, her mom encouraged open communication about almost everything, including sex. Kate is now a certified sex coach, educator, and the founder of Passion by Kate. And she is passionate about inspiring the same for others who didn't have a similar upbringing. Back then, that openness about sex didn't just benefit her. This was such a gift to me and my friends. And, you know, I can remember my friends turning to my mom to talk about boyfriend problems and things like that. Like she was the mom. I hate saying this, like she was the cool mom, right? <laughs> but I think what what's also really interesting here is that alongside the openness around topics that were really taboo, because it wasn't just sex, right? It was money, the whole suite of taboo topics were just totally fair game in my house. And that was really cool. And alongside that, though, I also heard messages about fighting in relationships and what fighting meant and how fighting, any fighting was bad and you'd never want to fight and and conflict was bad. And how do we avoid conflict at all costs? And so on one hand, I was able to avoid a lot of that overt external shaming, right? Because it was, you know, if you want to start having sex, we'll go get birth control. Like, it's not a big deal. Just let me know. What questions do you have? Me asking her what a boner was in the car after church when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, like that was all welcome. And then there was also this, this quite extensive conflict avoidance to use a more jargony term, which is one of the things that I, as an adult have really had to unlearn in my romantic partnership, but also in my friendships and and in work relationships and everywhere that conflict is not inherently bad. You know, I totally understand where that perspective came from on the individual level, but I think it's also worth naming that kind of on a systemic level. That's a very white perspective, like white waspy need to like avoid conflict, keep the peace instead of understanding that when we are debating or arguing with someone, it can be, and isn't always right. Not always. It can be just another form of communication, another avenue of sharing needs and desires And sometimes it's the only way we're hurt for better or worse. And so on one hand, I had really open communication. On the other hand, I didn't have a great role model when it came to navigating conflict or having strong boundaries. As you can imagine, all of that set Kate up for some positive and challenging experiences. One of her earliest sex-related memories encapsulates both. When I lost my virginity, if you will, my sexual debut, the first time I had PIV, I actually kept it hidden from my friends, not because of shame though, right? Which would be the typical reason someone might not share that information, but because there is friend drama, who knows why there was friend drama. It was high school, but like, I didn't want to rock the boat by introducing this new piece of information that I knew would rock the boat. So while I was really open about like talking with my partner about sex and having sex and, you know, throughout the course of our relationship, deciding at what point we would want to have that type of sex and other types of sex, 
that felt really easy to me. I was really clear on like, here's what my boundaries are. Here's what I want. Here's what I don't want. At the same time, I wasn't willing to rock the boat by sharing that information with people because there was already conflict in the mix. And that was just going to add more conflict. And I look back and I have so much tenderness for that younger version of myself who kind of lack those skills and their skills that really I've only started learning and developing in really recent years. And they're hard. They're hard just the same way that talking about sex is hard. One thing Kate hears frequently from clients is some version of, I'm an adult. Shouldn't I have figured this out by now? Why is it so hard to talk to my partner about sex? But if we're never taught something and we never see it role modeled and we're told that like, great sex should just happen and their partners should be mind readers and like conflict is bad and fighting means your relationship is bad and these big blanket statements and how the hell are we ever supposed to learn how to do it without the help of people who know who do know how to do it right and the advice and wisdom and practice we just can't I recently asked my email subscribers what they would most like to experience sexually that they haven't And what, if anything, stands in the way? Several people replied that they don't know what they want. They know they want better. They know they want to expand their sexual repertoire. But that's kind of it. Kate said she runs into this a lot with her clients. So much of the advice we hear about communication is you have to ask for what you want. But as Kate pointed out, you can't ask for what you don't know. So you need awareness first before you can have communication. If you aren't totally sure, that's when you can turn to anything that can inspire you, right? With ideas for sex. So this can be things like romance novels and like pornography. Audio porn is really popular. Different types of erotica, romance novels, you know, pick your flavor. There's something out there for everyone within those realms. This can be doing some self mindful masturbation and exploring for yourself, you know, what does this body I have in this moment enjoy? What types of sensations does this body want more of? It can be doing that exploration together. And I would say from the folks that I see, it's like 50-50 split. Some people really like to explore on their own and that's where they feel safest and freest. And some people really much prefer to have their partner with them. It's a little bit more efficient. They feel safer and freer. She also pointed to yes, no, maybe lists as a useful tool for figuring out what you're interested in, not interested in, or curious about. And it's literally a checklist of sexual things that you can do. And it exists to inspire people, right? For when you don't know, you have literally a checklist that you just go through and you checkmark off to see like, oh, you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but you know what? Maybe, maybe I am into being spanked or like, "Mm, what body parts do I want you to nibble? Kate said that the important thing is finding out what works well for you, given your life, your body, your relationship structure, your trauma history, and more. In the email survey I mentioned, I noticed several themes from folks who do know what they want to add to their sex life. The first thing that stood out to me was some form of anal sex. If you're curious about trying some kind of butt play and want to bring it up to a partner, Kate suggested this. The first piece is, you know, getting clear on what type of anal play are you looking for and honestly doing a little bit of research. And one of the things that I encourage people to do is to think about, like, how does your partner learn and receive information best? 
Are they a facts and figures person? That's what my partner is. They like want research studies and expert articles. Are they game to go along with whatever? Are they more interested in personal stories? Perhaps doing a little bit of research. And this could be research on your own. Or maybe the ask is, hey, I've been thinking about this. You know, can we do some research together? And with anal, particularly, there is a lot of negative messaging here. And so it may help to think about what are some of the negative messages you've received about this sex act and what are some that your partner may have received, right? So if we're talking about something like pegging, right, where a cis male would be receiving anal penetration of some sort, there is a lot there, right? There's a lot to unpack there. So if you could kind of think in advance, what are some of the things that might be present in the conversation on that almost subconscious level. There are, you know, men out there who would say like, no, you know, that makes me gay, but I'm guessing as listeners to this podcast, we're probably not getting too much of that. Right. But on a subconscious level, when you've been fed those narratives from basically the time we all were born, that's going to be present in the conversation. So what can be brought to light kind of on your own in advance that you can think through? A few other people told me they want to experience some kind of threesome. One person said an all-female threesome. Another said male-female-male sex. Someone else said they're nervous about bringing it up to their partner because they're pretty sure they wouldn't be into it and it might not land well. So, so much to unpack. We can't know without asking. And I also recognize, again, that asking can be really vulnerable and that sometimes it may feel better to exist in that space of, well, if I don't ask, I can't get rejected. So one thing I really want to stress is that at the end of the day, you have the autonomy to bring something up or not bring something up, but be honest with yourself around the pros and cons of each. So this person, right, if it's something they really want and it may lead to like resentment building up in the relationship in the long run, it may be worth taking that risk and asking, right? And thinking through okay, if my partner says no, then what? Something that can be helpful too is if you have a friend that you can, you know, share some of this with and then they can support you. Within a relationship, right, you ask your partner for something like a threesome and it really feels important to you. And if they say no, that can bring up a lot of feels and your partner may not be the best person to support you in those feels, but you deserve to be supported in them. Anything that feels really vulnerable, it's kind of like, who else can you have on your team to be with you and to offer you support? If you don't ask and you don't try, you'll never know. You can do a lot, though, in advance of thinking through, like, what are some of the boundaries that you want to have? What are some of the hopes that each of you have out of this experience? And how can you take care of each other in the moment and after the fact? When you have a desire that you've been thinking about for some time and you haven't talked about it yet, it can start to feel increasingly high pressure. Even when that's the case, Kate said, it's important to know that sharing a desire doesn't have to be this huge confession. Let's say you're like another person I heard from who said they really want to experience multiple orgasms. It could just be like, hey, I really want to try for multiple orgasms the next time, like for two, the next time we have sex. Would you be game? And most of the time, what I have found is partners are pretty game for a lot. And people are pretty game for a lot more than 
than we may think or give them credit for because that's how shame operates, right? Shame wants us to stay silent. Shame wants us to stay in our little boxes and our sticky webs and not say anything. We also don't want to dismiss that a partner might be like, yeah, no, I don't want that. And so how do we kind of plan for the worst and hope for the best? But like, how can you plan to take care of yourself and your relationship? And how can you hope for and try for, hey, you know what, let's see what happens, right? And I think another way that this particular scenario could go is maybe as soon as partner A has their orgasm, partner B is like, cool, great, it's time for me to go. So maybe restructuring and how you're having sex might be supportive. Sex is limitless is what just popped into my mind. Like there's so many different ways to play and be physically intimate and sexually intimate and have fun and pleasure together that there's room for everyone. That made me think of Stella Harris's work and the recent episode here on threesomes. There are so many ways to delight in whatever your desires are. If you want to engage in a threesome with your partner and your partner doesn't, for example, you could think about ways to bring in the element of a threesome that gets you the most excited. Is it being watched? Maybe you could try webcamming together then or filming yourselves having sex. Is it having another physical body? What about a sex doll or virtual reality porn? Fantasizing together or alone can also go really far. Brain studies have shown that thinking about sex can be equally stimulating as physical acts for many people. For some folks, that's even hotter. Another common piece of sex advice is this. Don't bring up your sexual desires or concerns when you're in the heat of the moment, aka during sex. And that can be really helpful to keep in mind for many situations. But it can also be hot, fun, and helpful to talk about sex during sex. As Kate pointed out, the level of complexity matters. Something more complicated, like a threesome, right? Like bringing additional partners in. Not the greatest thing to talk about in the moment when you're like full of endorphins and (laughs) naked and having fun together, right? Something like a new position can be something that gets brought up in the moment, right? And it could be, you know, oh my gosh, can we, can we try flipping, right? Or whatever it is. And it also can be something that you may want to talk about with your clothes on, if you will, right? Outside of sexy times. And I would just think about, again, like, How do you like to communicate? How do you like to receive communication? How does your partner like to communicate? You right. I have some clients who are like, yeah, my partner like much prefers for like, if just in the moment we try something new, that wouldn't work for some people, right? That doesn't work for everyone. And particularly thinking about folks who have a history of sexual violence, like just switching things up in the middle of the moment without talking about it might not go so well, but there are people that that works great for you know, when it comes to sex, there isn't just like a normal or one right way. There's just more and less common and, and what works best for you. And all of these tips, all of these tools are about taking you, which you know best, right? Like you as an individual, you have lived your life, you know yourself best. These are like an additional layer of expertise and guidance. And the magic really happens when you blend those two together. Right. So when you take a suggestion for a conversation starter and you use your own language, when you take an idea like flipping the position in the middle of of the moment and say, oh, hey, you know what? Actually, I think that'd be really hot or, oh, you know what? I think I think that might be a little triggering for me. And that's that's just not going to be great. And I think with all of these. Side by side conversations can be really great when 
you are bringing up vulnerable stuff in the car, on a hike, sitting next to each other, watching TV, although TV, it can be really easy. Like if you're on a couch, just like turn towards each other, but it creates a little teeny tiny bit of distance in a good way, right? A little bit of extra room for that vulnerability. (laughs) So that's the other thing with all of these is, you know, that can be a little bit of an easier way to bring something up, especially, you know, if you're driving, if you're hiking, if you're doing stuff like that, it's like, oh, look at the pretty trees. Oh, look at that car. It has a really cool license plate. So there's just other things that are there that can just be like, oh, yep. See, it's like totally not a big deal. Like, like how cool that cloud is. And also, would you like to try anal? Like, Or, hey, that cloud looks like a butt. What do you think about butt stuff? (laughs) When I asked Kate to share a communication tip that she feels is especially underrated or too seldom explored, she pointed to context. Sometimes it makes sense to talk about butt stuff during a road trip. And other times, sex is the last thing that makes sense to bring up. Context matters. If you are coming at the end of a long day and you are tired and stressed and your capacity is already zero, you're out of spoons. If you're someone who's familiar with spoon theory, right? It's not a great time to dive into a conversation that's vulnerable and scary and big because you're going to be operating from that place, right? From a a stress response and, or potentially from, from a more trauma response place, right? Depending on you and who you are right? You're not going to be in a place where you can really bring your best self, where you can kind of mind and take care of yourself as you're having this conversation. And so the context in which you have the conversation matters almost as much, if not more, I would actually argue more to be perfectly honest, as the conversation itself. It's just like with sex, right? Heck, I was just running errands before we had this call. And as I was walking through the parking lot, I got asked if I would like to learn how to speak Spanish from someone catcalling me outside of their window, right? Their car window. If I came home and my partner was like trying to be handsy with me, no, thank you. Because I'm still carrying with me that like, just like icky experience. What I often say with sex is like, when you walk through the bedroom doors, the rest of the life and day doesn't just like fade away and disappear. If you're feeling shitty, that can come with you. And there's a lot of things you can do to kind of help create that context, but kind of in terms of the the high level advice that I think doesn't get talked about enough or gets talked about in a really limiting specific way that leaves no room for individual agency and or preference. We'll heat it here. You, you asked me this question. You knew I was going to get heated. <laughs> like it's like it has to look a certain way and it's like no it has to work for you and your partner that's all it has to do and so don't ignore the context and it's better you know I think about that that old adage of don't go to bed angry and I'm like don't disrupt your sleep if you got to work the next day in school and whatever you can call a timeout it's okay to call a timeout as long as both people right like both got to call the time out. And I think that's the same here. It's like, it's okay to reschedule the conversation if you need to. Kate also stressed that feeling nervous about having sex conversations is common and to be expected if it's new for you. Everything new can feel daunting at first, but awareness and preparation, doing the research she talked about, and aiming for the best context can go far. And if you're really struggling with it, seek support if you can. You can also learn more from Kate and her team at Passion by Kate. 
They've created a bunch of resources to help you get better at communication about sex and more. One new offering is called Six Strategies to Fix Failed Conversations About Sex. This was inspired, again, by hearing more and more, like every time we try to talk about sex, we end up fighting, someone's feelings get hurt, someone ends up crying, someone walks away. The group of clients I was working with around late 2020, like the hot topic was communication. If they were even having the conversation, it was going bad. Like they were going badly. And to be really honest, I was experiencing a similar breakdown in my own relationship, right? The stress of the pandemic, my personal health issues, there was kind of all of a sudden this just like wave of couples arguing and every helping professional, every therapist, coach, et cetera, who works with couples was saying the same thing. And what I realized, right? So we were, my partner and I, my client, like everyone was just more on edge, more snappish, less patient. And as we began to figure out, okay, where, where was the conversation going downhill? What was happening that was causing that where in the past, maybe it wouldn't have done that or in past relationships that didn't do that. Right. And as we began to make these small tweaks to the how of the communication, right. What happened was we all started having more fun with our partners again right? Like there is new, deeper levels of love and intimacy, other issues, right? Sticky issues as they came up became much easier to navigate and much less fraught. Resentment began to dissipate and sex became more fun, adventurous and satisfying, right? Like communication changed everything. And so I wanted to share some of those, those tips and those methods with, with everyone, <laughs> like with, with the world, if you will. Right. Because there's again, and we've talked about some of them, particularly the context piece. Again, it's often these little things that can make a big impact. And it's like, if you could just shift the teeniest little bit of energy, it makes a big impact. To get access to the PBK Guide to Getting the Sex You Want and more resources, visit passionbykate.com. Kate is spelled K-A-I-T. You know what else can add more fun and pleasure to your sex life? Lubricant. If you are looking for a new one or your first, I highly recommend Promescent. They are an all-encompassing sexual wellness brand, and I am loving their aloe-based lube. It has an awesome texture. If you have a vulva, their women's arousal gel is really fun for some literal buzz on your external clit before sex. You apply a small amount and you'll feel a bit of tingling where it counts within minutes. I was admittedly a little hesitant to try it or anything that's meant to add like buzzy feelings to delicate skin, but I'm so glad I did. It's made with non-toxic ingredients and it can really help get you in the headspace for sex Let's say you have sex scheduled, but your head's not quite in the game yet. It can sort of connect your mind with your body and get the juices flowing, literally. Promescent is also known for their Climax Control Spray, which helps people with a penis last longer during penetration, whether they struggle with premature ejaculation or not. Learn more at delayspray.com and use the code AUGUST15, that's lowercase august15, at checkout to save 15% on your first order. This week's listener question involves a pretty common issue that is so seldom talked about. 
I'm really glad that Ashley wrote in. She said this, I have had sex with a few guys recently, and I'm having an issue with after a few thrusts, the guy's penis will slip or slide out. I was wanting to know if this is common or if there is something wrong with me. They then need to reinsert again, which sometimes takes a little while. They are wearing a condom and they are erect when it happens, but it kind of ruins the mood and I'm not sure if they are just pulling out too far or if I'm or they are doing something wrong. This has happened with a few different positions. I thought maybe one guy, it wasn't an issue, but it's been multiple guys. I've mentioned this to friends and they aren't sure why it's happening and it hasn't happened to them. Any comments, advice, or possible tips would be appreciated. Ashley, thank you so much for writing. You are definitely not alone, and nothing about this suggests that there is anything wrong with you at all. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Ashley, thank you so much for this question. And let me just say that I'm so glad you're asking it because, to be honest, falling out and or slippage, as it's also commonly known, is actually not an uncommon experience. And yet, so many people are not talking about it. And so this is our opportunity not only to answer this question for you and for all those listening here in the Girl Bono community. I know you're in particular curious because this isn't something that's just happened once. It's happened several times and with more than one partner. And what I can say with certainty is that, again, it is not only not uncommon It's also probably true that in the beginning of a relationship, when you don't yet know your partner that well or what feels good to them, in my experience, men predominantly want you to feel all of them. And by that, I mean, they might be so enthusiastic to give you pleasure that they may be giving a sort of full thrust. And that may mean that they are not quite calculating exactly and maybe pulling out too far. I also want men to hear who are listening that even shorter, shallower thrusts can feel truly amazing. And for everybody listening, that, again, great sex isn't just about penetrative sex because there are so many ways to give and receive pleasure. Coming back to your question, pulling out too far could certainly be one reason that there's sort of the slippage or falling out. But another might be that you yourself are really wet and aroused or maybe used a little too much lube. So something else I'd have you consider Specifically, if you're using lube and maybe you're using about sort of a quarter size, trying less, more like a dime size amount. And another reason slippage might be happening is because, again, in my experience, men so want to give their partners pleasure that he might be experiencing performance anxiety. And when he gets in his head, first of all, I sort of say there's nothing erotic or sexy about that. And so it might be that he may be losing his erection. And so what I can say to you, Ashley, in all of these scenarios is that from your perspective, I completely get it's not optimal, but the thing I want to highlight here is it's not awful. And certainly it's a myth that experienced lovers don't use their hands. So you definitely can guide him with your own hand or encourage him to use his hand. You can also sort of keep the whole conversation and experience kind of sexy and playful by saying something like, oh, you're such a tease and I want you so badly. Remembering that the wanting is in the giving and receiving of pleasure, not necessarily penetration in the event that he is having performance anxiety or having difficulties maintaining his erection. The most important thing for us all to hear listening and for you, Ashley, is that the foundation of arousal is relaxation. So 
use every opportunity to relax and play. Because the more you get to know each other, your bodies, and your turn-ons, I can assure you, you will be more than fully satisfied. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she shared about your partner wanting to please you. I know for sure performance anxiety can play a role. And also, slipping just happens. I think it happens probably to most of us at some point, and not just with a penis, but toys slip out too. It certainly has happened to me, and honestly, I just move on. I think it becomes a source of anxiety or stress when it feels like it's not normal or it's not supposed to happen, which is so easy to think. I think because we have this idea from what we learn and don't learn about what sex should be like, we think that everything just moves a certain way, looks a certain way, nothing pops out, nothing goes out of place, there aren't any weird sounds, but all of that is normal. But if you know that and you're still like, yeah, but I don't want it to keep happening, that's totally fine too. So I really love Megan's tips. Another thing you can do is have one person being in control of the thrusting. Sometimes if two people are moving a lot at the same time, it can cause slippage. Another thing that can cause slippage is what some people call a jackhammer move where the penis is going in and out really, really fast. So maybe you could suggest that your partner slow down a little bit or just say, you know, I really like it when we move this way or that way. And really just guiding the penis back where you want it. If there is a performance anxiety issue or even a loss of erection, which also is very common and nothing to be ashamed of, you could also try a cock ring. Those can be really fun toys to use regardless. They make erections harder and last longer, and they bring more pleasure to both people. I hope that was helpful, Ashley. If you have a question for me or for Dr. Megan, please reach out. I give priority to my patrons. So if you want to join my Patreon community to support the show and my mission and my dreams to make it my main and only career and help as many people as I can, head to patreon.com forward slash girlboner. I'm offering a bunch of fun extras, including some new bonuses I will announce soon. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash girlboner. You can also reach out to me on social media or through my website. There's a link down in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing episodes with your friends and leaving a rating and review wherever you listen. Thank you so much for being here and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.